Roadshow episode number 217. My name is John Morgan. Cold Coffee is with me, mm-hmm. and we brought him back. Oscar Willis from the Mac Life is here as well. Thank you very much. Had so much fun last week. We had to do I don't remember all of last week, but it's, <laughs> I think we had a good time. Yeah, the feedback was mixed. <laughs> <laughs> the, mostly positive, but also you guys was talking just a lot of shit about beer. That's true. <laughs> Courtesy kind of, of Latchkey Brewing. <laughs> yeah. My, my wife made me promise to take Ubers the next time we do a Latchkey Brewing sponsored mm. uh, episode. So <laughs> I, have, I have agreed. I'll, I'll take an Uber next time out. But all right, we're here at the uh, Casa de Cold Coffee. We're still having a couple frosty beverages. We just might not have as many as we did last week. Mm-hmm. Just on, on, on the wise advice. Yes. Uh, of those that love us. Uh, <laughs> it is a, uh, by the way, it, this is a, it's got to kind of remind you back home, Oscar, this weather. This is not May. Las Vegas weather. This is some uh, this is some European type May weather. It is cloudy, overcast, nice breeze coming from the southwest. Uh, but there's still a swimming pool outside, so it's not quite the same. That's but, true. You know. But yeah, it's <laughs> dip, I have to, dip your toes in that. You know, it's not warm. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough. But I have to say, I I don't hate it because. Every time I get into my car, the first 10 minutes is not me crying oh. and sweating. So it's yes. good. That's my wife was complaining that it's it's too cold. I'm, I'm like, babe, we got plenty of 110-degree days yep. coming. Yeah, yeah, let's, exactly. let's just enjoy this while we can. That's it. I'll take 70, 70 uh, weather, which is, I think, what it says we're about right about now is about 68 or 70, which I Gorgeous. love it. Because always, I always run hot, so this weather right now is I absolutely well, amazing. As evident by the air conditioning in every hotel room you've ever been in. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! I.e. meat locker. Cold coffee does turn the AC down as low as it will <laughs> it go. It can never go low enough. Oh my god! <laughs> it's it cold crazy. coffee. Yeah, I do have to wear a jacket when we get, when I go to work and uh, collaborate in this hotel room. <laughs> yeah. uh, all right, cold coffee. You've been doing some uh, projects. I didn't even know you were. I didn't yeah. even know you were doing some behind the scenes stuff. I, I yeah. wanted to see if you could. Kind of, is it secret project? No, no. Sure? I mean, actually, I was starting to work on the piece, and I might release something. But I mean, I think I've, t- I've talked with you about before. Is like. Uh, uh, the latest version, season three, if you will, of Wimp to Warrior is uh, going on with Jesse Jess up at uh, Extreme, a mm-hmm. gym that you're at all the time. Sure. Um, so, uh, so I went there, and the whole the whole premise is to sort of just follow along as the season goes, and hopefully uh, just hear the stories from a couple of the participants or a few as it's kind of going, and just kind of bring that. So, yeah, I went. And, uh, it's painful because it, the class starts at 7 in the morning. Oh. So I've been getting up at like 6 in the morning, which normally my shift doesn't start to about 9. I do that 9 to 5 thing. So I roll out of bed at like 8.30, and like it's been brutal. Um, but, you know, it's been really fun actually going, you know, because these are not professional fighters. You know, when you show up with a camera, most of them want to just sort of like be a little shy and just sort of smile. And the last thing want to do is like – Dying, you're dying on the ground, sweaty, and somebody <laughs> sticking a camera near your face. Like a lot of people could just be really put off by it, but they're they've been actually pretty good. And that was kind of one of the things I talked to some of them afterwards because I got some uh, little testimonials. So what I'm gonna try to do is just sort of piece, you know, a thing sort of having Jess and them sort of set up what Wimp to Warrior is. And if you guys don't know what it is, it's uh, it's a fitness thing that you can do, but it also, uh, if you want it to, it can culminate into a fight. It's basically like a full fight. MMA training camp, right? right? Like several like, months. Yeah, it's fun, like five fun, months. Fun fact, 20, I was actually weeks or looking at like this one to do it, but then yeah. I just 
Really? I carried on living my life, and I never did. <laughs> yeah. But and it's not. <laughs> but I, I feel it's about not cheap. It. I forget what the it's, price it's, is. It's, it's a grand. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like it's, it's like a, th- a thousand dollars. It's like a thousand for the whole season. I didn't know that. Yeah, that, wow. yeah. That, I mean, but it makes you, sense because you, I mean you're paying you get professional of, yeah. of yeah. professional training. I mean, grappling and at striking. a gym. It might as well be. I mean, I know that they did say that they had some passes so that if some of the the participants wanted to come to like say a grappling class, because today they were working on the wrestling and grappling. So if you wanted to. Uh, they might work it out to where I think you could like go. Three but tiers, uh, but if you yeah. want the full experience, it's like a thousand. But it allows you to at least be in this gym, and you're getting trained by pre- professional athletes. Yeah. Um, and it and literally is about an hour to an hour and a half each each mm-hmm. each and of these sessions. Oh wow! So and, and then I guess at the conclusion of it, you can make the decision. You don't have to fight if you don't yeah, want and to. But a lot every of single person that is doing it right now, I think there were like 13 when they started. And I think there's maybe around 12 to 13 still in it. Every single one is going to fight. Says they want to fight. So this, when, when, this they, when do, do they start hard sparring? And then um, well, they're starting. I mean, they're already. Uh, well, they're starting to do some of that, but hard. I think is probably another few weeks okay. or so out. See if some minds are because they're at that they're, point. they're starting to actually because uh, even when uh, Max, the coach that was doing the grappling today, was like, "Hey, next time we do this, you know, bring." Some MMA gloves because we want to have you start to actually start to work, and when you're you're holding mount, that's Max Rushkoff to actually start hitting that, right? him. I think that's what his last name. He's, I had he fights had at FFC as well. But yes, here's what, that's that's the guy. Here's the thing that's cool. So I know I know Richard Hunter's doing it again, right? Our yes, good friend Richard for a Hunter. Second time. He's doing it again. Uh, but and he then was there's another the girl day, that's doing it for a second time. What as they're well. doing on this one is the fights that they're going to have are actually going to be at a tough enough at a tough event. enough event. So yeah. the, so they're going to do it at, at a tough enough, and it'll be like you know a normal amateur fight, and then a wimp to warrior yeah. fight, and then a normal. Or they, or they might just do like the wimp to warriors at oh, the beginning and the then adrenaline do it or something. dumps on that night. It's gonna be insane. <laughs> it, should be, it should be pretty intense. So that's cool. So you're documenting, kind of, kind of making like a little, a yeah, little just sort of out like a little bit. documenting, but just like a little series. You know, I think, you know, I think for our site and a lot of the sites, I mean, we we have so many pre-fight interviews, post-fight interviews, and a lot of just fight we cover. I thought it'd be kind of fun just to do something that's a little bit outside of it, but also hopefully trying to create something that people will want to follow somebody's story. So right. hopefully if some of these characters kind of stand out, and I've already started identifying even in my mind some of the ones that have shown some personalities that are kind of fun but also um, have a lot of work to do but also uh, <laughs> can be fun. Like there's one guy, he's – he 600 And I, I like the guy. You know, he was like 350, 360. His name is JR. Um, but he's got a hilarious personality, and you could tell the class sort of gravitates to him. But the guy wants to, by the end of it, by the end of the the thing, he wants to be down by like 280 or wow. under 300 pounds, which is a lot of work. But, you know, it's interesting. He's like before they were doing this thing called shrimping where you're shrimping. actually, you know, kind of sliding with yep. your hips on the on the, on the the mat, and you can do it backwards and you can do it forward. And it's very – it looks at it, and you're like, oh, it doesn't look like that would be that hard to do, but it's actually very, very hard and awkward. Yeah. He said when he first started, he's like – I couldn't even do it. And already now he's starting to – he's like when he was doing it today, he was like, holy shit, I'm shrimping. He's like, I'm doing it, you know. <laughs> so as they're going along – so, I mean, and I try to tell him, I was like, dude, that's the shit that's awesome. Like that's the stuff people want to hear. Yeah. So, you know, hopefully it'll it'll be something fun to where, you know, we put it out there and just something different than what we're normally doing. But hopefully people will like that's, it and, cool. and want to do it. I'm so, excited, yeah, I'm excited to see fun. it. It's going to be, it's gonna be fun. I'm excited to see you, uh, you put it together. Yeah. And how crazy is that for them? I mean – uh, for for these people who didn't, I mean, I, I'm sure when they signed up, never thought in yeah. a million years there'd be a camera on them. Well, I also, think yeah. that's a, they're literally getting their, they're getting their training right now. Like, I mean, they're getting interview training. Yeah. But stuff. that's cool because it's like they have 
they can go back and watch a documentary of their own performance. That's which is pretty cool. Which is what it is. And I told some of the guys, like, and the ones that stayed after I did some interviews, and I was like, and I, and I just tried to tell them, I was like, I want you to see me not as a threat, not as a whatever, you know, like, trust that when I'm showing you in a moment, and this is like one of those things that you have to have a relationship, and I, this is one of those things I hope all fighters understand as well. You know, if I'm there documenting it, I'm not shooting you at your lowest moment in the hopes of trying to show your low moment. But when you take it in the full scale of where you see where you're going, you're going to look back at these moments and be like, wow, that was awesome. I see where I was. I was struggling there. And look where you get at some point. Yeah. So, you know, if I'm there on the fly on the wall and if I'm doing whatever, don't feel like I'm shooting you like, God, here I am, a guy that maybe had issues grappling with my weight and now there's a guy in front of me with the camera like oh he's gonna make it's gonna make me look like i'm fat and he's gonna whatever right like, that's not why like you're I'm not gonna have a voice this. over like yeah. look at this huge <laughs> look at this fat <laughs> like what is this guy like think? that's not the what whale about. comes again <laughs> yeah and, and that's a tough thing because you don't i mean they don't know me they don't know me from anybody else so they've never seen it in my past work so i could see where there is that possibility because somebody could come and do that yeah. you know yeah if i secretly work for tmz i could be like here look at this latest fat fucks try to do mma <laughs> you know or headline. whatever and that's the thing you know but you know that's not what it is but you know ultimately it's about trying to try to make a people story i hope that we can find some characters that people just want to follow along with and and in it uh you know these people are finding their strength in themselves to do something better and i think all of us if we see those sort of things it's the kind of stuff that we're all like well fuck what what can i do better today yeah you know if we had um Who's our coach, our favorite coach? 1%. If we could just be 1% better every day. Uh, had the, used to have the gym right over here. Uh, teaches high oh, school Oh, Ricky Lundell. Ricky Lundell. Yeah. You know, like that of sort course. of stuff. If people can look at these little things and and find motivation to just be a little bit better yeah. or do something else, that's ultimately what it is. So cool, I man. hope it works out. I'm I mean, like, to see it. It's good. Yeah. It's great. And right now it's in my, my head and I'm just starting to put together. So I hope it comes up because I want to do justice. Uh, for the people that are letting me come document this stuff, yeah, and uh, you know, I want to create something that's just fun for the site. So, but oh, that's cool. ultimately well, what that'll I was, be on MMA Junkie. Yeah. So I was I'm hoping to pick it. up an interview with Anders too. Uh, he, uh, but he didn't Eric show Anders. up. He didn't show up. Uh, it was weird because yeah, I caught, caught him last time, and uh, you know, when I was thinking, about it, I was like, oh yeah, I'll get you next week. I should if I knew I wasn't gonna get him. I would have asked him, but I would have rather have had time to prep. You know, he's yeah. in an interesting position. You know, now with what four losses in a row, you know, I know his his back against the wall. So I was hoping to catch up with him, but didn't get to do that. And then Jesse, you know, was going to get an, uh, an update on her, but nothing really has changed. Right. I mean, besides the fact that she's got her cast off now, she's in a fracture boot. She's still a few weeks out before she can actually start training again. There's nobody on the book. So I was like, well, we don't need an update to really say that sort of yeah, stuff. We'll so, but hopefully we'll wait till something happens. But uh, she did tell me, and this is one of the things I was telling you earlier when we were chatting online, uh, is working with a new gym here in town. And, I, and the name escapes me, but do, they have some Muay Thai fighters and some people that have done some amateur stuff. But they actually are opening up another gym here in town that she's been able to teach and stuff. That's so cool. Uh, they're going to build and add some MMA stuff on that. So they're still fitting it out in, inside the building. But once that goes, so hopefully then we will have an update from her. So Very cool. Yeah. So By the cool. way, keep your keep your eyes. Uh, remember the name Max Rushkoff. That guy's talented, man. He's going to. He seemed like a, a sharp guy. He's and, real sharp. Yeah. And even some of the stuff he was telling you, he was like, you know, I'm showing you these moves and some of these things. And I liked it when uh, his downward sort of pressure, you know, and forward pressure of how he was dealing with people on the ground he's like a lot of fighters want to get on their knees when somebody pulls them into their guard so he was really starting to train them about 
not finding yourself on the ground, find a way to get up on your feet, and, and they're using the stance by uh, putting one hand on the hip, the other one sort of on a knee so that you could be able to strike and do this other stuff. And, and some of the things he was trying to explain to him, he's like, he's like, this is stuff that current fighters aren't doing right now. A lot of fighters are more than willing to just stay on their knees, try to posture up a little bit and throw punches. He's like, I want you to break that habit before you ever get into it. He's like, a lot of fighters already have this. He's like, so what I'm trying to teach you is some some new stuff that hopefully more people do. So nice. I was like, oh, it was cool he's listening a smart to kid, do it. Man. Yeah. He's a smart kid. He's talented too, man. I think, I yeah. think he's going to be somebody in the sport, man. I really do. I'm yeah. so excited to watch some more of his fights. All right, listen, it, it was a, a, a fairly busy weekend of MMA, but uh, I think the one thing that – the story I think that I think is has got the most traction coming out of it really – is Sage Northcutt. You know, the, the, I feel like that's the one that people are, mo are talking about the most. And I kind of want to get your guys' thoughts on it because uh, I've, I've seen some people, even some people behind the scenes, uh, saying that he should call it a career, you know, and, and that this is the type of, of devastating injury that you don't want to deal with and that maybe he should be ready to hang it up. Um, but I, I, there's so much aspect of this because, I mean, look, what happened to him can happen to anybody, right? right? But here's a couple of things that I think have really come out of it is, is A, the debate over whether one – did the right thing with them or did the wrong thing with them, right? Like, uh -huh. is, is you know, was this good matchmaking or was it stupid to, to potentially bring in your high-priced free agent to lose? And and the other one that's really, I think, getting some discussion and maybe needs more is this whole weight-cutting situation. Yeah. I mean, the, 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 hey, we do hydration tests, we fixed weight-cutting. And then, uh, I don't know if you guys saw the interview, I happened to be watching it, uh, Uriah Faber was yeah. talking to Luke Thomas and was like, dude, there were definitely people cutting weight, yeah. you know? Um, so I, I don't know. There's so many aspects of it to tackle. Of it. What, what's, what stands out to you the most? Well, first of all, the thing with Sage, like it was, a, like you said, it's it's not like his face was meant to explode. You know, it was a knockout punch. It was a good punch. It knocked him out. But it's it is a freak injury, essentially. Right. Like, and, and I mean, if he did call it a quits, I don't know how you could blame him because I can't imagine. Similar to when Anderson broke his leg, yeah. I can't imagine going in there and getting jabbed in the face. Being like, oh, you know, how you could ever be. That's right. The mental, the mental yeah. scare of I it mean, going forward. Secondly, I think everyone's like, oh, he should call it quits. Well, he's 23, right? That's crazy. He's, I know. I think it's like what people think is he came on with all this hype and he, the way he looks. It's like people were like, he's either going to be a future champion or he's bust. And there's loads of people in this sport who don't become champion. Right. He's allowed to not. You know, he's allowed to be a prospect and then be like a middle of the road fighter. Sure. It's like just because he had all this spotlight on him right away, it's like it's you can you can be you can put on entertaining fights. You, you can, can be, be somebody that want to watch yeah. and not be a champion. You know, I I do. I mean, if Cowboy Cerrone, like yeah. let's say for whatever reason, you know, this title run that he's on yeah. right now, it doesn't end in a belt. Or are we gonna at the end of his career go, what a waste that was? But but, it, but even like names like Ross Pearson, sure. he's in the game for he's a like a journeyman essentially, still absolutely commendable career and stuff like that, right? So what I do think is I I don't think. I don't think Sage is going to be the world-class elite yeah. guy that people thought he could be because of his look. I think he it definitely showed like his karate stuff and his karate style. It looks cool. I don't know how really super effective it is, right. to be honest. Um, so as far as that, no, he doesn't need to retire. I mean, if he wants to, I get it. And especially like as soon as the guy gets a really major film role, he's gone anyway, to be honest. Like, um, Not that I know his inside. Of his head, I'm just assuming. <laughs> if you could get paid, yeah, yeah. if you get paid lots of money yeah. for not getting punched in the face, it's probably not a hard decision to make. <laughs> so, thank you very much, sir. I'll take that money and go. <laughs> also, I I wonder if he wasn't so bloody pretty, if people wouldn't be like, oh, he should walk away. Like, if he was a bit uglier, do you think people would be like, ah, oh, no? You know, I yeah. think it's only because he's like, what else has he got going for him? It's only because he's do? like a cherubly beautiful young man that everyone's like, oh, don't let him get hurt. <laughs> so true. But um, so yeah, as and then 
so that's it. I don't think he should retire. But as far as the the bigger issue here, like the one matchmaking stuff, I didn't really hear a lot of people say, predicting Sage was going to win before the fight. Right. And then when it started, it was pretty obvious he wasn't going to win. Like it just seemed like yeah, I don't know. I, you don't want to like cast aspersion and stuff, but one championship do stuff that I think should raise an eyebrow of a lot of people watching. You know, they make a few claims about viewership and stuff like that, and. There's there's two different tactics you can do use as as promoters. When you get the chance of hiring a free agent from the UFC, you can either bring them in like Bellator do and give them very favorable matchups right. and try and use them as a star to focus your brand around from now on. Sometimes that works. Sometimes it doesn't work. I, don't, I think actually Bellator's had a bit of an unlucky streak with that. Really. And then an alternative pattern you could do is bring someone on and put them in a very tough fight and if your guy wins you can say well look we have some bad motherfuckers out here too yeah so there's two ways of looking at it i don't necessarily i'm not accusing one of like setting them up for a fall but i don't think one of putting these guys in like tailored fights that we perhaps see, thought they were going to and i see i, I don't have a problem i'm kind of glad yeah. they're not i uh, to me i i mean listen we're definitely talking i mean they, they look they have gotten their money's worth out of these free agents but you know what's interesting is i feel like a hell of a lot more people have talked about eddie alvarez yep and now Sage Northcutt versus Demetrius Johnson. Like, yeah. Demetrius just did what Demetrius was supposed to do. right. And, and by the way, if, if you didn't watch that fight, Demetrius did not have an easy fight, man. Yeah. He was, he was, was tested as well. So to me, like, I kind of commend one for doing this. I think to me to me, it's honestly smarter than just the I've got the I've got the former UFC guy that goes and beats everybody. I, I agree, but I do, do have one caveat, is that I would actually say this is the better tactic to promote your brand, to suggest we are rivals and these guys are tough. Yep. But I will say, at least over in this side of the world, I think more people are talking about how bad slash ugly Sage and Eddie looked as opposed to the winners of the the names of the winners. You That's know, true. so so it's kind of like. Do you do you even remember the name of the guy they lost to? I definitely to? don't. Yeah. So, but um, but I think like uh. So that's that's the only downside of it, but I do think perhaps t- it's very hard for us as well because they're always talking about their Eastern audience being very different than ours. I don't know how the Eastern audience re- received that. Maybe they're going, you know, wow, one's crazy and really right. good, and then in that case, it's a it's a home run for one. Like right. that's what they want to do, right? Promote themselves as the alternative big show out there. Yep. Also, Deadspin calling them a minor league is stupid as well. That just that, yeah, that was bad. That's what you're talking about. Um, but yeah, so I I, th- I think it's just an interesting th- like, and also. The other downside is it's not necessarily promoting the winner of the fight, but it's also now what do you do with them? Right. Now you've given them that loss. Not that they're trying, but now Eddie's now lost. Now where do you go? Like yep. Sage, you know, he's supposed to be Ken from Street Fighter. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, that's that kid who got his face smashed in, you know. Nine hours of surgery. That's like, crazy, man. It is crazy. I feel bad. But yeah, I, feel I, re- I feel really bad for the guy. Like, he's a young kid, 23, handsome as a motherfucker, you know. Still got the thumbs up, even with the bruises <laughs> and everything. He's healing from can the you, surgery. Can you imagine if they, they took the apparatus and the, they brain. took off the bandages and he's hideous and he just grows a beard and becomes a nasty <laughs> bastard all the time, Metallic kicking people. Plates, just just straight <laughs> metal plates, yeah. just stapled. I think his, he's got his. plenty of future ahead of him, man. I do think he's got more fights. I don't think he needs to hang it up. Um, yeah, same but I, you know, listen, it, it was interesting too that Faber interview with uh, uh, with Luke. 
you know, he kind of mentioned, mm -hmm. alluded to some things that things weren't going real well behind the scenes, mm -hmm. that there were some concerns. So I don't know exactly what that was, you know, if it was training issues or all that. But I guess it just le it, it goes to show you that at least Sage maybe has to understand, look, I'm not superhuman. You know, if things – if I need to pull out of a fight, pull out of a fight. Yeah. If I need to yeah. – you know what I mean? Like be a little more sensitive about the matchmaking. Don't just take whoever, whenever, however. Mm -hmm. um, so, I, But I, I do think Sage has got plenty of a future ahead of him. And he does – I mean, he's a marketable guy, right? Yeah. I mean, he is a marketable guy, and I think there's, there's big fights ahead. I, I like I said I I don't criticize one for what they're doing I, I think they I think one is doing a great job of getting people to talk about their brand I mean they're getting way more attention right now than they ever have you you kind of touched on it too I mean some of the the viewership numbers that they tease and stuff I mean even like when they're even during their broadcasts it's like it's being you know televised to two billion potential people or whatever yeah. I'm like well, I mean the UFC probably is too because yeah, yeah, all you're doing is like who can pick up the signal or whatever? But come on, man. You know what I mean? Like it's. A, I mean, I guess it's. There's look, seven billion people on Earth, and technically all of them could see this at some point. Right? <laughs> it's like, come on, come on. But I mean, whatever. You want to build yourself up and make you seem yeah. as big as you can. That's cool. But uh, I, I will say the one, the the, the weight cutting thing, it always bothered me, and it's funny because like. You know, Alex Davis is, is is a good friend of ours, man. I mean, I love Alex Davis to death. And, you know, the first time he went over there and saw it, he was like, I love this system. It's a phenomenal system. It's great. And he's been, like, lauding, like, oh, I love the way they do this, these hydration tests and all that. And I, and I guess that's cool. I mean, he, he is, like, sold on it. I'm not sold on it mm -hmm. because – I don't believe that it's t stopping people, and I just I don't understand why we don't get to see it. Like, well, this is it. It's transparency. That's it. Transparency. Have some media in there. Have some journalists yeah. in there. That's what's weird about it. Yeah. You know, I've heard that other camps aren't even allowed to watch the opposing guy weigh in or whatever. Like, what is that about? You know, and and it really it was funny because when they introduced it, I didn't think about it, but then as we we started covering one a little bit more because they were growing, you know, I was like. But I was like, hey, man, can you can you shoot me a couple pictures of some of your guys? You know, we just we need artwork for the site or whatever. And they'd send me action shots, which are cool, but sometimes the scale shot's yeah. easier because you're like, that dude's back is turned here. You can't yeah, see yeah, his yeah. face or whatever, you know? And it's just like, well, can I get pictures of the weigh-ins? It's like, oh, we don't we don't shoot those. And then I'm like, wait a minute. There's no pictures of them on the scale at all, you know? And then, it's like, and then you start hearing people, you know, the media that have been there, and they're like, they're not even allowed to cover the weigh-ins. Like, if which, they want to, that's which, bizarre. Which is very bizarre because especially in recent years, the weigh-ins have become a huge, huge part of fight week. Yep. I mean, for better or worse, so you yeah. could argue about if that's good or not. But in fact, even like the image of a man on the scales flexing his arms yeah. is iconic. Like, it's the, part of the sport, right? The informant. Oh, man. That, I mean, that, that, that Connor picture, yeah, I mean, that the, one, that is an iconic but shot. But it's, it's a huge part of it all. It's like part of the spectacle and they're all about spectacle. So right. it's like, yeah, it's, it's weird. It's bizarre it's to me, man. Weird. So I, that's, that's one thing I think they got to, they got to shore up, man, mm -hmm. is if they want to, if they want legitimacy and they want to continue to be, because I will say, man, like, it seems like every fight, I mean, Eddie Alvarez's opponent didn't look like he was the same size as him, you know. No, I mean, Demetrius Johnson's yeah. opponent didn't look the same size as him. All, they've all looked like they've been outsized when they jump yeah. in there. It's, it's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like nobody gave him the unwritten rules behind the scenes. Yeah. Like, oh, what? I'm very glad we're not drinking as heavily as last week. On this <laughs> <day>. <laughs> I do think that. I mean, I, I've always kind of been the the uh, the one of thinking that one is legit bringing these UFC guys over to get smashed because yeah. they want to build these guys. And I think if anything, they should probably run with it because I think you've made a good point. You know, now what do you do with these guys that? have killed these UFC guys. You know, I think if they did a, a good job now to actually take it and really promote those guys, then good on them because I think that's the first thing that people notice is like, wow, the UFC is supposed to be the end-all, be-all, but they went over there and had the toughest matches of their career and, and half of them actually just got starched. Yeah. I mean, 
Sage, who's always kind of been a little bit of a slow starter to kind of get going, his opponent came in there and just wanted to smash his head right from the get go. So Sage and never he did, and literally yeah, did. Literally never he it. had never had a, a moment to get started, and it just seemed like he was clearly outsized and just out. I think the ring kind of fucked him a little bit too. To be honest, like not yeah, yeah. Like, I, I don't know if he knew he was going to be in a ring or not, but yeah. it, it seemed it, like, it looked like he got trapped. He got in a corner and yeah. was like, "Oh shit!" And it's then supposed it was, to be round. It's supposed yeah. to keep allowing me <laughs> to slide over. I can't climb it. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. What's true. this ninety degree angle shit? Yeah, you know, so true. Um, so but, I'd, I'd like to know if he knew that was going to be the case, or if he showed up in fight night and like it's a ring, baby. Yeah, you know, that's another little. Well, thing. you figured that'd be the kind of thing they'd talk about in fight week or, so. <laughs> or something, you, you know? Never but you never know. know. Mm. But I don't know. I, I say good on one for you know showing that they have incredible caliber guys. Now I would use this time to promote because, I mean, people are talking like, wow, who are these guys that, that, that came in and smashed? And I think, if anything, they need to do a good job of actually pushing those guys forward. If they don't, then it seems like they, they're they dropping a ball on not promoting these UFC killers. Well, I would actually well, that, just start calling them that's UFC That's what I was going to say. If you were really smart, someone like Eddie's opponent, I literally can't remember his name and I apologize. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I know, it's terrible. Unprofessional. But uh, if... If I was them, I would try and find almost any other UFC outcast the same weight and get him to beat them and try and bill him as the UFC killer. I would right. make that fucking... That's just bring that. it anyway. Just, just, just a guy that it doesn't you matter. You fought in the UFC? In you go. And yeah. I have him beat them. Beat like three or four. You could like the, Things like the Gracie killer stick around in this sport for like right. 20 years. Like That's right. the sort of stuff that it's it's not so cheesy you see through it. It's like, oh yeah, yeah I guess he has you know, smashed these yeah. guys. Why not? I mean, it makes sense. I mean, like... A lot of people have always said the UFC, UFC number one, number one. I mean, one should just really embrace it and just be like, we're the best three-letter organization out there. We kill every other three-letter organization. <laughs> Broadcast to 80 billion people. Whoa. 80 billion people watch us every day. Uh, I don't know. I mean, so as for Sage, I mean, it does say something. The fact that, I mean, he took such a shot in his face was – so smashed, it makes Dave. you wonder if there was something. Maybe you never know if if, if one of these needs things, more milk. That there might be something. Exactly, there might be something going on that we didn't know about. And then taking a, a strong, powerful punch, it could be the kind of thing. If that sort of thing pulled out, that maybe he does not have, maybe the strongest uh, bone density or something. That maybe that is the kind of thing that you want to change your career and wow. just be pretty and 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 say lines and do whatever. But um, granted. A, a super powerful punch play, put in the right place is going to cause damage. And unfortunately, this, it causes face a lot of damage. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I mean... It is a freak shot, though. Like, that's never happened. Like, someone's face hasn't <laughs> right. exploded in their own skull before, you know? On one punch. Yeah. 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 Which makes you wonder, you know, maybe there is something else we don't know. I mean, maybe there is an underlying... Maybe ha- there is something health-wise that, we, that this sort of thing can happen. Uh, but it just could be the matter, too, of just... The perfectly placed shot. Yeah, angle, the, at perfect the very force. perfect. Yeah. And the guy... I mean, hey, Cosmo's no joke. Cosmo, yeah, I mean, when good. you look at him, I mean, he looks like one giant ball of muscle. And then yeah. to just be as amped up as he was going forward and landing at the perfect timing. I mean, I, I mean, I bet I'd love to see him punch one of those punch machines so you could see how much punching power he actually had because he looked like he was punching like a Mack truck. Well, once one, it literally PI, looked like. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 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 what does he hit as hard as a Ford truck? Yeah. <laughs> 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 oh, that was great. That was great. All right, well, listen, yeah. the UFC did have an event as well. Uh, a rare UFC card that I did not watch live. I was I was my son's oh. birthday party, so we were well, yeah, you having were trains, fun. Trains, planes, and, jo- and automobiles, yeah, all man. kinds of stuff. We had, we had a good time, man. My kid's seventh birthday. We had a good time. But, uh, but I sat down to watch it. I just wanted to 
see if anything stood out to you guys, man. I I I, I was gutted for Patrick Cummins. I just want to say, you know, he had been training here at Syndicate, was fighting well, and then just got tagged, man, by a knee that was like. It was crazy because it was like grazing, but it just landed just right. I mean, you could tell he couldn't. He, I mean, he couldn't stand. So that that was uh, that I was gutted for him. Uh, Felicia Spencer, by the way, wow, pat on the back. Told <laughs> told you guys that was gonna happen. Uh, <laughs> awesome. I feel I feel bad for her, man. Though in that you know now, I mean, I shouldn't say I feel bad for her, but you know, it's like <laughs> she's being linked up to a fight with yeah. Cyborg, and that just, to me is just way too early to make a, a fight with Cyborg, man. I, I I respect Felicia. I do believe she's a future champion. But man, just fighting cyborgs different, and and I just feel like that's too early. Um, and and then uh, the other one was Michelle Pereira, man. Yeah, that dude. dude, wow, that dude is must watch, man. I, I mean, I, it, I will watch him every yeah. weekend. I'm telling you right now, if anybody listening to this right now did not watch that fight, get your ass on Fight Pass yeah. or YouTube, wherever you need to go to find it. But Michelle Pereira, his his debut. I mean, from 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 crying as he's yeah. walking to the cage. To literally the most exciting what two minute fight yeah. that you've ever seen. I mean, he packed so many crazy moves, and, and we had covered him yeah. a little bit on the site before. So you know, if people didn't know the name, I mean, he, this is not like it was out of character. I, for I, him, I think you'd see. There's cool. a viral video of him, right? If, if people listening don't know, he's a guy who essentially just jumps off the cage as much as he walks on the, f yep. the canvas. Yeah, he did like two or three yeah. Superman does back uh, does back off flips and like back Showtime back, kick attempts. back back flips onto his downed opponent. He just does flips. He's he's yeah. he's you know like a Spinning hurricane fighting you, and so there was a clip that went around earlier this year that went viral. I mm -hmm. think of him. That's right. And, uh, fighting in, uh, I think he was in South Korea. That yeah, fight. and it, it is. You sort of wondered, like, well, now isn't he? See, will he do that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He will. That was <laughs> it, man. I was like, he's not he's gonna be able to fight. Big, like he's big on it. He loves it. He, uh, dude, if he can do that every time out, uh, who, who cares if he's a yeah. champ or anything? Again, a guy. I just want. It's yeah. fun to watch. It's funny because commentary is like, oh, he's gonna have a an, an energy dump. He's out here crying. He's expending so much energy, and then he got in. It was like, wow, I think he's got extra. Yeah, <laughs> it's amazing. I tell you what, I, it was unbelievable. There are some names in this sport that you think, oh yeah, he's fun to watch. Oh, yeah, he's fun to watch. So, if I could see him fight Mike Perry tomorrow, that would oh, be so swell. Yeah, sign me or up. Emil Meek or someone who's just like, you know, a goer. Just yeah. wants to have a like, Yeah, okay. Sign me up, man. Yeah. Yeah, that dude's crazy. Uh, Kevin Lee, man, I, I you know, I, I don't want to not praise RDA because RDA won the fight and it was a big crossroads, a big moment for him. Yeah. I feel bad for Kevin Lee, man. I, I know Kevin gets a bad rap. And part of it, I mean, we talk about it all the time, right? This is an entertainment sport. And, and a lot of what Kevin does, you know, the persona, so to speak, mm -hmm. It's entertainment value, you know what I mean? He gets it. Like, if people hate me, at least he'll tune in to watch, you know, and so he doesn't mind kind of playing that role. Um, behind the scenes, I think he's a good dude, man. I enjoy talking to him, you know. And, 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 and it, it, again, like I said, I, I think you – you get to know these guys in a different context when you see them at the gym. When you see, you yeah. know what I mean. You, you see what the work they put in. Um, but I, I, I feel bad for Kevin because I feel like there's still talent there, man. I don't look at him and go, "Yeah, this guy was is never going to be good, man." I feel like there's something there, but it's just not all clicking for him. Yeah, I, I feel the same. And actually, I think sometimes there are people who do stuff that you go, "Well, that's just an objectively disgusting thing to do," which I'm sure we'll talk about later on in the show. But like. <laughs> If you listen to Kevin, because disgusting stuff eventually always comes. Yeah, out. but if, if 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 you, I I like if you, Kevin's a bit cocky maybe, but if you listen to what he says, he never says anything that's like unrational, unreasonable. Really, right. I I always think he's grounded in some form, even if you don't like the tone of it. So I no, I completely agree. I don't think he's a bad guy. I actually think he's massively underappreciated yeah. in the sport. Really. Yeah. Um, so I, I felt bad for him too. I, the fight itself, it's funny because I remember last week, one of the things I do remember last week, we spoke about how it's a crossroads fight for both of them. There were yeah. stakes. And I think watching Kevin lose, you realize like, oh, that was a bad 
defeat for you. Yep. Um, a few things that I took away from the fight was, A, he looked, I thought he looked way too sort of tense before yep. it started. I, I said, like, he was staring at RDA and I wonder, and then when he fought in the first three minutes, it actually, we just talking about Michelle having an energy jump. I actually thought uh, Kevin had a adrenaline dump. He looked like he Completely was, agree. he looked like he came up, like, I'm going to take him out in the first round. And about three minutes in, I thought, I thought he looked labored already. I would agree. And against RDA, that's not a great place right. to be. And then I also think with Kevin as well, that probably doesn't help him. He's one of those guys that, and you've seen them before, when they get tired, they get very sort of floppy. You know, yep. his legs look weak underneath him, so he looks very labored. So it's not even like he can sort of coast through around, maybe lose around a little bit, and you still think he's in there. Like, it, once he lost his energy, I thought he was like very clearly. Yeah, it's evident. He's very, very clearly evident. gassed yeah. from yeah. halfway through round one to the eventual end. Yeah. So I, I was actually, I was honestly quite surprised he lasted as long as he did because I thought RDA could have turned it up at any moment and really put the pressure on him and got him out there. Yeah. Um, which is eventually what, I, and also Kevin's strategy of, of basically going for the legs and trying to get, trying to make it into that grinding fight that RDA struggles with, you know, the Covington Uzma model. It, it seems like Kevin's not, got the cardio to do that as much so it seemed like it was tiring him out if not worse yeah so it seemed like Kevin doesn't have the, the gas to do that and, and looking at where Kevin is now and stuff I think there's something with his old coach yeah Robert Fowles yeah. yeah I think you know he passed away and I wonder if Kevin's really found it the the place he needs to be the groove That's he needs it. to hit I I I, re- I, I really That's think it. It, you can point at that and be like because he's even said he doesn't know what to do he trained at the PI for the last one then sort of trained at extreme now he trained at extreme and he's stopped social media or he's kept social media it's like he's trying to find the groove I and agree I, I, yeah. re- I, I think a bit of time away and a new spot could do wonders for him yeah, like, yeah. Refra- I think, I think you hit on the head yeah. That's exactly you know I mean as you know, you talk about the floppy. That's like me from round one, minute one. <laughs> uh, but I think the biggest thing that I took when I was watching this fight was uh, I think Dewey Cooper is a great striking coach. Yep. I don't think he has what needs to be the a head coach that what Kevin needs to. Yep. I think there were times when Kevin was going to his takedowns and he was expending so much energy that there wasn't proper strategy or proper things being told to him to really get him to work to how to get these takedowns or yeah. how to get these things. They were getting shut down. Yeah. So when I look at that fight, and I'm not saying that Dewey's not a, a great coach or can't be a great coach, but I feel what Kevin suffers from now is not having a head coach relationship or a proper head coach that's going to give him what he needs. Like more of a mentor? To keep moving forward. I think Robert Follis was a mentor I to him. I think so too. Yeah. And I think what's happening is maybe – when you get some of these great head coaches, they're able to help put it all together. Let's make sure your fitness is on good. Let's make sure your cardio is good. Let's have a good uh, strategy and things. And I well, just don't feel like he's getting what he needs right now to push him in, in the right direction. Not saying that he's not getting better or whatever, but when it comes to fight night, I just felt like it wasn't there for him. Yeah, and seem, I found myself To, to see him under like a John Crouch or a Safe yeah. Saoud or, or th- you know. Yeah, that was, I that think was Jackson was, Wink you know, would be amazing. Jackson Wink would no, be a great no, place. Like, as a welterweight there, I think they'd yeah. coach him very well. Very yep. well. And I, I thought you'd going back, I think Jude Cooper is a very good, especially a boxing coach. Yep. coach. Yeah, I mean, he's an incredible, I think he's incredible very, very striker. Good. I just don't know if he's ever been like a head coach MMA, sort of yeah. thing. Well, also, I like, mean, he, he, there was a moment in the corner where he said, you know, this is going to be a war of attrition, but it's kind of like, well, Kevin, you're making it a war of attrition by throwing yourself at his weight. You know, I don't know. Like you said, I, I, I think it felt to me that Kevin, since, since you know, his coach that passed away, is that 
he's l- waiting for it to all click together, and yep. I, I, I think he's kind of a little bit a little bit rudderless bit, right now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I agree. I right. think it's, and I, I actually think this fu- this fight made that very apparent. Yeah. You know? I think he's he still has, there. He has all the talent and all the physical oh, he's ability. Still incredible. He's he's still. I still feel like he's. I don't want to say untapped because he has shown a lot of incredible talent. I just feel like he's he's really close to turning that corner yeah. again. But somebody has to help guide that corner. Yeah. And right now, I feel. Uh, he's just not getting it. It's just, he's just not getting I'm it. I'm just not ready to write him off just yet. No, I, think there's, I yeah. think there's still something. See, this is, this is the difference, right? So Sage, I'm quite confident in saying, oh, that guy's not a future champion. Right. He's actually younger than Kevin Lee. But I think Kevin Lee really does have the talent. I just think, right. like you just said, it, it's it's like waiting for... It's like the t- when you're learning to drive and you're shit at it and then one day you're just sort of, oh, I'm doing it. I really think <laughs> it's waiting for him to just click. And that was a really right. weird analogy. But it's like, <laughs> it's like he's waiting for it to all click together. And I think a, a good head coach could get him there you know? I yeah. agree alright let's talk about uh, Oscar you were on the road earlier this Wait, week you went up oh, let's say one thing before, oh, we, before we move on what about Oliveira and Nick Lentz I thought that fight was incredible like yeah, you know, yeah. third fight you know it was like one of those ones you know and as I'm watching that fight I kept thinking like you know how like Jones had DC's number is can we say totally. Oliveira has Lentz's number yeah. now and Lentz is tough man I like Lentz Lentz is super dude. tough and he's Oliveira's been fighting he's a, quirk, he's a quirky dude and he, he did it a quirky. different way than ever him. now like he, with TKO I think that was his first TKO yeah. like in a professional or at least at least with the UFC and I thought he looked better than Oli- ever dude Oliveira's a guy that's clicking right now I mean it's right? crazy I mean you talk about like he's future featherweight U- champion dude, oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh let it go no he's uh, dude he's you know been in the UFC for like 10 years now. Yeah. Nine, yeah. nine years. That's crazy. And he's still 29. I mean, he came to the UFC so young, and it's it's definitely all clicking for him. Yeah, man, dude, Ian Heinish, uh, that, that dude. That was I was going to say, look look how big up we, oh. bi- we built up Shoe Face, and then that didn't yeah, go Yeah, that didn't go so well. Then, I know. I was 4 I was four and 0 to start the main card. Yeah, and then, you crushed it. Yeah. You crushed it. And I was right that, that, was that, to finish, Suj- that Sarge, that was a good fight. Yeah, Aspen Ladd and Sarge good was an awesome good fight. fight. Like, that, if, if, if you thought, I mean, Aspen, she's super tough. I, I actually give her I give her a lot I more credit. I knew little, she was I thought tough. she looked a little flat, but she she, but she did, got but it through it. But she I mean, got I think it. But I think that's good when you can way. find a way to win yeah, on right. off nights. Yeah. That to me, like that's it. I honestly, I value performances like that even more. When yeah. you can tell somebody isn't clicking hundred percent, right. but they still find a way to win. Well, like, I like that. Like Sor- cowboy. Yeah, I said. Sorority said he was like. He said I just had to get through the first round. And the second round, he's like, oh, there it is. When you're showing character like that, that that tells me something about you. Yeah. It was good. That was a good night of fights. It was. I mean, I just wanted to make sure we said something. Man, that yeah. dude's Those on fights, run. Were, there were so many good fights. I was, I was uh, thoroughly enjoyed watching this last card. Yeah, it was. There was, a, there was a lot of good fights. I was, it was kind of a struggle for me because, like, I, so we had my kid's birthday party, and like, I wanted to. I was, my plan was to like stop and then like watch the fight, right. but like, it went longer. My kid was playing, and like, I was like, just be a responsible parent for once. Like, put MMA to <laughs> the side. Just be there. I, so I did. Yeah, just, just be, be present. So I, so I, I didn't watch the fights. So what I did was the next – now I was scheduled to work the next morning at 5 a.m., so I was the editor on duty. So I was basically like – I had the fights on as I was working, so I was like editing post-fight pieces and watching the fights as they were happening and doing – so it was kind of a frustrating way to do it. Yeah, right. like, like actually like, you know, working post-fight coverage as it's going on, but it was – luckily it was a very entertaining yeah. night of fight, so it, it made it okay. I will say as well, it was over – like what? At eight o'clock or something? Yes. At, just in time to watch Deontay Wilder attempt to de- kill Dominic Brazil. It was oh it was so perfect. But it was so perfect. Like it was over. It was actually it was so funny because I was like, I'm not going to go out drinking tonight. 
And then it finished so early, I was like, well, now I've just got so much time. <laughs> <laughs> I had to. That's what else am I going to do? Oh, uh, that's great. All right, well, let's talk, let's talk about uh, earlier this week why the Deontay Wilder knockout was massive. It's ridiculous. But, yeah. uh, you made your way up to New York, yeah, I right? For the, uh, for the BKFC press conference. And it's interesting because, look, sometimes I don't know if we should be covering this or not. I mean, we cover MMA. But when it has Artem Lobov involved in it, like, I'm, I'm down, like, you know, just to cover jujitsu for the sake of jujitsu, eh, but when you have the crossover appeal yeah. of, of of notable MMA fighters, so um, and I think BKFC is smart in doing this. Of course, I mean, look, the numbers are doing great on our website when we, you know, the the, the Malinaji stuff. But it's something about know. Artem gets the clicks of the Mac life as well. I can't, it, yeah. I can't think about funny why. how that works out. Uh, <laughs> I, no, and, and that, man, I am a huge. We, we said it before, man. I'm a huge Artem Lobov fan, man. I I, I really like the Choo-choo, guy, man. Choo choo, motherfucker. He is so entertaining. <laughs> he uh, he always comes with uh, at least one line prepared. He had yeah. the uh, 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 hope the magic man doesn't disappear yeah. or whatever. That was good. Uh, but I don't know. Give me a sense of what this is like because watching on the street, I will say it is bizarrely intriguing, man. Like Malinaji is incredibly annoying, but to the point that you like, you just want to see him get punched in the face. Yeah. Um, and, and, and so it's funny. Like I, I hate kind of encouraging Malinaji or encouraging this behavior, but it is bizarrely intriguing and and, and, and and listen I really do want to see Loa beat the crap out of him I really really do well this is the funny thing right when you've been in this game and you've covered this sport you sort of see these people like oh they're doing the Floyd thing make everyone hate me you'll tune in and it's very it's very really quite rare for me to think like to f- almost fall for it it's really rare for me to yeah. be like oh, yes. I, can't, I can't wait to see you get yes. yeah. I really just don't care usually but with Paulie I'm like you must just shut the f- oh, this is so <laughs> annoying and, and I feel the same way and I shouldn't care I'm it's, just covering a sport but he keeps attacking our bubble well, I know dude, this, is, this, this is the funniest it's sh- like you can't just talk shit about your opponent now you gotta talk about MMA well, like th- like we're all sh- trying to shit on you this, like, this is we the- don't fucking care about you Paulie but now that you're like talking shit about us th- this I'm is like okay now I Yes. I can't lose. believe I've got a platform to rant about this fucking guy. <laughs> <laughs> right, so this is the funny thing, right? So one thing that uh, people listening probably won't know is actually, surprisingly, it's mostly boxing media there. It's very yeah. it's, it, myself. I fl- I was the only MMA media who travelled there, obviously because we're covering Artem. You guys had like some of the uh, Amanda, I think it was. Yeah, yeah, you had Amanda some uh, MMA fighting had some of there, but not like not names that I guess people would yeah be quick to recognise. So it was mostly the MMA media was outnumbered probably about thirty to three. And so it's a very boxing orientated sort of oh, yeah. day and stuff like because right. they're all about Paulie. And you know, if you don't know, boxing media are just generally scum. That's not <laughs> no, that's not true. They're just very fucking annoying. You know, it's true, boxing. They, 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 they just don't play by the same rules as us. So it's they don't. Hard. But so when Paulie was on stage and just started like freaking out at MMA media, yeah. I was like, well, hey, it's basically just me here. So I felt like personally he was talking to me. <laughs> yeah. And secondly, he was like, I don't know why you fucks put Lobov before Malinaji. You put Lobov versus Malinaji. And I went, oh, yeah, I do do that. I do do that. <laughs> and guess what? Now, Paulie, I know it annoys you. I'm going to fucking do it every time. Every single <laughs> yeah. time. So, uh, yeah, so uh, that's just by the by. But, yeah, Paulie's shtick, as it were. And also, I don't know how much shtick it is. Like, because, yes, they're selling a fight. A hundred percent they're selling a fight. They'll sell a fight and then he fucking spits on him. Yeah, it's like there's levels to it. And, yeah. and I spoke to a boxing guy afterwards who's been around for years, and he's like, "Look, I've covered Paulie like his whole career. I've never seen him like that." He's really? like, "And he, if you watch the stream, there, it sounds ridiculous that it would affect a grown man who's nearly forty years old this much. But literally, like you see him before Connor's name is brought up, and after the spar is brought up, and the fucking guy loses his shit. It bugs like he him. literally it bugs just bad. someone asked him about the spar, and he just started, and he couldn't stop, and he just freaks out." 
the fuck it, I, I, and maybe most of that's probably more to do with I can't imagine his Twitter mentions every day for the oh, last two years yeah. have been like Connor, Connor, Connor. But well, yeah, so I think Artem, 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 so Artem was poking too. the bear as well. Like if of he course. if he if he didn't chat back while Paulie was doing his speech, I don't know if we ever would have got it to that point. But that's I think true. I think once it got to the point where Artem's like or when Paulie's like, dude, you had a chance to talk and now you want to talk shit. All right, fine, let's talk shit. Well, you know? okay, and so I was like, okay, now but ever since that point at uh, that day for that for that presser, he was on a whole different level. He was on a he was in a different gear. At that point he was he was he was fired up and but yeah, I mean I couldn't imagine that spit. Like I watched that and that was too much, man. I, try, that's, I know, know that's, I know that's so I was like, stupid, and but if you to play, me, that's too it's much. It's worse when you play it in like slow motion. You go frame by frame because you're like, was that a fucking loogie? Like, how did he build that up? Like, he, uh, do you know how he built I, it up? Because he was chewing his fucking gum like a madman preparing to do it. That's what it was. About 30 seconds before. Go Felt back like and watch he was, it. He was literally chewing his gum, chewing his gum, chewing his gum, chewing Trying his to build gum. it up. He yeah. knew what he was going to do. And that's that, that's the thing. And he what, tried to hit him with the mic. Like, Paul was he losing it. Just on his damn mic. You just touched him. But also, that's too much. He was losing his damn mic. He hit him with the mic, cut his fucking head open the fights off well done dickhead like yeah, exactly. you know but also yeah like the spinning thing is it's it sounds silly because we've seen so much yeah. worse shit and we we're talking about a dude but, getting his face smashed in yeah. 40 pieces or whatever now like yeah. but don't spit but, on but, him but, 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 but it's weird they're like oh he's talking shit about our boxing he's talking this oh let's stand up and do it here let me spit like, but, but also that's, that, that's what you want to put out there for your well, that for was yourself that carrying was, well, the, carrying the boxing this label. This is a fucking analyst for Showtime. This is yeah. fucking. He's like actually got a like professional career and shit. Like fucking behave yourself a little a little bit. We don't yeah. need you to be an angel. But secondly, he was like, "Don't point your finger in my face." Oh, I'm pointing his finger in his face. I'm going to show you if you do that again. Point it, spat, and then he spat. Like, oh, you taught him a fucking lesson there, didn't you? Yeah, he spat, you spat on the fucking spat in David Feldman's face. Oh, that is funny. You <laughs> end up hitting the promoter instead of Art. That was uh, pretty funny. So gross. And, and, <laughs> I was like, well, I was like, Feldman's face smells like Paulie's lunch. I think what made this what made this worse too was, I mean, the set. It was going to Dave and Buster's, right? I mean, yeah. okay, no, is that okay, what it was. A Dave no, Buster's? I mean, no disrespect. <laughs> hey, I like Dave and Buster's. No disrespect. Benetton have had a few things there. Well. I'm sure it was a corporate, you know, sponsorship thing. So that's great. I'm not, I'm not saying the place, but just it didn't seem like they had the technical setup right. And right. They definitely. I mean, if you got Polly going off. Isn't half the value of that like the back and forth, and you don't have Artem with a microphone? Precisely. Like and that was that was poor planning. And I think Artem actually, I, I think it's pretty obvious that that was like an oh shit moment because when Artem went out to do his, bo- you know, that stupid boxing speech they have to do with right. the opening comments. Well, you know, your mum's cousin comes up and gives twenty minutes, but like right. Artem said, let's keep it short and brief because I think he wanted that back and forth. Yeah. So when Paulie got up and made himself real, real fucking comfortable, Artem felt like. I'm not getting a back and forth here. So that's why he started to interject. And then it it became like, it's like fighting the DJ. You can't argue with the guy who's got the microphone. Like, it's real tough. So I think Artem kind of got hard done by by that. Also, I just realized thinking they had a microphone in the crowd for the media. They could have probably brought that up onto the stage. Yeah, well, somebody should have done that. Just thought about that. Should have done that. Uh, so that was the big thing for me. I think they they wanted a back and forth and it was kind of hard to get. And and Paulie's like quite loud as well. He probably didn't need the microphone maybe. But yeah, it was... it, it, I think Bare Knuckle FC is a very interesting sort of promotion right now. I think they're making waves way beyond what they thought they would be doing at this point. Like, n- agree, number man. six, and they're getting like crazy traction. Um, dude, I'm telling you, the numbers when we put stuff up from, oh. the, from the the last show, this yeah. show, oh, man. And I think perhaps there's growing pains. I think perhaps you know, like I, I would struggle to believe they thought when they started this in six events time, we'll have brought Paulie Malinaji out of retirement to fight Conor McGregor's. 
high profile so sparring true. mate you know I, I I mean not in their wildest dreams I mean can I, you imagine I, if they were sitting in a meeting like having a strategy meeting like listen I've been about six months yeah, in you know. yeah like so, so I, get com- I mean commend them for that yeah, they've, yeah. they've managed yeah. to get it done I mean yeah I think it's it's very impressive what they've done but I think so does Growing Pains but I also think when we're used to uh, high production value from the UFC and you know, Bellator and stuff like that it is like that seems like a no-brainer to us. You know, two mics seems like a no-brainer to yeah. us. And also, I really, I'm struggling to, I, I think for the the audience they're going for, which I think is predominantly MMA audience, I think they're getting more MMA people than boxing people watching, like Arden versus Jason Knight. That is pure MMA yeah, stuff. Yeah, I would think so too. So that's why I get, I'm like, well, why are you doing this in the style of a boxing presser? Like if you're right. doing an MMA audience, right? Yep. So that's something to think, but I think it's growing pains. And look, I defy anyone to say they're not at least mildly interested. I, I that's and that's my point. I guess is that like, yeah, dude, I'm, I'm, I'm into this. Now, I will say, last time out um, with Artem and Jason, that was a weekend that there was like no MMA. You know what I mean? So I think that was why so much of the world was focused on it. I think come fight week, they're gonna have a harder time this week because it's the same day as Bellator London and uh, Moicano and, and Korean Zombie. Now, I will say. Uh, we're not sending anybody to Moicano and Korean Zombie. We we will have uh, our our England resources uh, at the London event. So I mean, it's not that we won't have the manpower to do it, but um, I, I don't know. I just wonder if they're going to get as much traction on Fight Week. But I, I'm dude, I'm interested. I I mean, I, I mean, I'm interested. Listen, this is pure like randomness, but you know what would like how they get a, a, a tweet of Conor McGregor driving towards an airport on the day of? <laughs> I think oh, that their fucking buys would fly they through would the love roof. That. Does does Artem have a chance in this, man? I mean, I I feel like it's a different. I mean, if it was a straight up boxing match, obviously no. Well, of obviously course, no. of course. Uh, this is this is. I've obviously I've had a lot of time to think about this. I got to be with Artem in New York for a bit and interviewed him and stuff, and we spoke about it. The ring is very small. Like it's like I think a boxing ring's like twenty by twenty. Right. This is probably half that. It's really? a circle. It's very very small. They don't start from opposite ends. They start face to face, toe to toe. Right. And uh, to be honest, because of how small the ring is, I just sort of think if you're talking like boxing, like they're going to trade jabs, yeah, Paulie, Paulie Malinaj wins that fight. Yeah. But if you go back and watch Jason Knight versus Adam Lobov and essentially the tactic was, I'll go forward, you go forward, and let's just swing from the hip and see what happens. If he can get that, who the fuck knows what's going to happen? Th- that's what I think. It could be, it could be a little surprising. I mean, listen. I was not one of those guys, no disrespect to your boss, <laughs> going into Conor McGregor and Floyd Mayweather that thought Conor was going to win. I mean, I appreciated the spectacle of it, and, yeah. and I, I mean, I thought it was bizarre that we were putting it together, and I got it, man. It was fun, but I was like, dude, I know I know what I'm going to see here. Right. I, I'm 99% sure. Yeah. Of course, anything but can happen. Mystic Mac told us he I was going to win. But here, I don't, I, I don't feel like I know what I'm going to see. Maybe that's one reason I'm more intrigued by it. Like, if this was just them getting ready for a boxing match, I don't think I would care because like, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I know what's going. I know what I'm going to see, so I don't care how much trash you talk. But maybe that's part of the reason I'm so intrigued, too, because I feel like yeah, like Artem might be able to make it a little bit chaotic, well, and, and yeah. might be able to. to he's going to get. He's going to land punches. I mean, let's be real. This is a boxer fighting the guy that's not a boxer, but has some level of boxing in right. his arsenal. Um, Paulie's probably going to piece him up, and he and he's as long as he keeps the movement. It's about the. I think half the times when you watch great boxing, it's this great footwork and the way yeah, that it's sure. able moves, to set up the movement, and it's just it's it's amazing it's when you a, see yeah, it done it's on a different on level a really than high level. Is. Yeah, it's, it's incredible but to watch. Artem is at some point, I'm pretty confident, is going to land some punches. And if he has the right punch that can stag him for a second, hopefully he's going to get a good couple shots. And for me personally watching it, 
That'll be enough for me. I just want to see some good shots what? that just rock Paulie's head back a few times. And if it comes down and Paulie pieces him up for the rest of it, whatever. I'm not expecting Artem to get some wonderful victory. Of course, there's always the puncher's chance. Paulie could go in there not giving uh, the effort. You know, the thing about Floyd, Floyd always prepares. Floyd, even if you don't see him yeah. really going in there, Floyd will practice. He's a Floyd will prepare for yep. shit. I don't know if Paulie's going to give it the same effort. Paulie might be well, so confident too. in his how, own how skill you, that he could, maybe yeah, won't be too. training as hard as what, say, I like Floyd did that, for yeah. that. And I, I still, though, I, I mean, I'm still just going to be happy if Artem makes a decent showing and just makes him fucking eat his lip a few times. There's, you know? there's, there's a couple of other X factors here as well. When I went to go watch Artem versus Jason, um, I think it's fair to say that bare knuckle fights in Tampa or Biloxi attract a certain type of clientele buying tickets that right. night. Yeah, they're they're great fun. <laughs> but I I think the last time Paulie boxed, it was you know elite level boxing at a sure. big stadium, ESPN. I can't help but imagine he walks out on that ramp and goes, "What the fuck? And where am I?" Yeah, right. I, yeah. I can't. And then he's in the the ropes is blooded, you know, covered with blood. He gets through, and he's like, "The ring's tight." Yeah. I can't imagine that would be a bit like weird. And not gonna have like some beautiful dressing room or, yeah. or ring girls. Yeah. <laughs> no, actually that's not true. <laughs> or gloves. Actually, that's not true. Ben, I'm gonna have lovely ring girls. But secondly, I think uh, every fighter I spoke to at the last Ben Knuckle who was fighting for the second or third time, they all said the same thing. You go in the first fight and you think, "Fuck it, it'll be fine." Yeah. And the second fight, you go, "That was not fine. That fucking sucks. My hands are in agony." So, and Paulie has this reputation of not being a big puncher and of right. having quite brittle hands right. secondly if you give Artem 10 seconds he'll be fine to carry on fighting so yeah. even if you drop him he'll get up and that, he'll is, keep so, going. that he, is true do you know what I mean like, yeah. Polly could bust his hands I, the first time well, that's what I mean I, and I, I really think if, so and the only person that sounds like I'm lying or bigging it up the only person I spoke to who didn't say oh yeah the second fight I'm going to fight differently was fucking Artem he was like <laughs> oh you know I'm going to swing him and see what fucking happens like, yep. he, he's literally, he, he told me he was like in the first round of his fight with Jason Knight he was convinced his fucking every bone in his hands was shattered they weren't yeah. they weren't broken at all they were but just so badly Bruised. He was just convinced they were shattered, and right. he was like, "Well, fuck it, you got you're in there, you got to swing anyway." So that's the sort of what. What that's are they, be a big difference of this one? I mean, Paulie, I mean, he's used to using his glove. He's able to control his pressure and how hard he's hitting. Yeah. And he's going to want to get in there, and they're allowed to clinch as well. They don't separate the clinch. They're allowed to work from the clinch. Paulie's never had a fucking MMA guy just get the underhook and just over start wailing. Dude, the Daniel Cormier. Like, I'm not saying so now you're selling it. Of course now, I am. Now, boys. Let's now, fucking go. Let's now all of a sudden I'm I'm leaving Team Artem. You know, but I. Do You're they right. Do odds I mean, on these fights? You know, I, mean, I think Artem <laughs> was the favorite the other day. Really? Again, yeah, Paulie? yeah. I wouldn't go that. I wouldn't necessarily say he's the favorite, but I will say like Artem. I did an interview with him after the the spitting incident, and I said, "Do you think I get the impression you're? I get the impression you're fighting for um." No, there, no, seeing there's a can behind you. If you could see. I, no, yeah, I was just trying to not see it. I was just trying to uh, just. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, guys. So a bit, having a beer technical issue. Um, <laughs> But yeah, so I, Adam said to me, like, I said, do you think you're fighting for MMA? And he went, no, no, I'm not fighting for MMA. He's just like, I'm fighting for just good people. It's like, Paul, he's just a scumbag. His parents hate him. <laughs> I, was just like, I, was like, I was like, okay. So I just think if it is all selling the fight and stuff, like, Paul, he's done a very good job of making most people think, like, oh, I'd love to see you just get a fucking dick. Right? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So. I, it, uh, clear up for me real quick because you were on top of this. Yeah. What are they wearing? Because there was some. I, I saw some reports going back and forth. Because at the at the other events, it's literally just hand wraps, right? It, it, it's, just it's, it's hand wraps around the wrist, going up to below the knuckles, essentially. So basically, you, your your wrist is secure so you and get, straightforward. There was some confusion. I saw some reports where um, 
in the Florida Commission's law, it says that people kickboxing or boxing must wear a glove. Okay. Um, I think the what's happened here is the word glove is being taken at sort of face value and actually glove means some sort of thing covering some sort of part of the hand right yeah. i spoke to the commission member he said no that's they're wearing the, the same wrist straps as they were last time you know it's covering a bit of the palm there's a bit of leather in it or something that's a glove uh, and then i confirmed with dave Feldman, the broner i said what glove are they wearing and he sent me he said this is the glove and it's, it's just the hand right it's just the wrist strap yeah. <laughs> i was like that's quite quite the fearsome glove there that's yeah. so interesting there's all these there's reports so I, it's still going to be the same bare it, knuckle we're expecting yeah. to see what they had jason knight and artemin they're having paulie and artemin so. Yeah, which for the most part, when you're looking at it, the front of the knuckle is completely open, but it's, it's, on the back side of the wrist, the, all the small it's, little it's, bones it's that like you, go, it's you going wrap from those. An, from an inch down from your knuckle, that's where the, the, the yeah. thing ends. And that's it. the main stuff that you really need to protect, too, a lot with your hands. Like when you're taping your hands, part of when well, you're going over the hands it, is to protect it is, those it is bones. It is essentially to try and like, let's hardcore these hands up so they don't bend and you break your wrist or something. Yeah, it's yeah, just exactly. to have like two little truncheons on your arms. Yeah. Dude, yeah. I... I uh, it's rough. I, it's I, it's rough on them, by I'm the way. Uh, I bet. It's rough fights. I, I'm I might be drinking the Kool Aid here, man. But I'm I'm, I'm, right? I'm thinking I'm leading. Dude, to can you imagine? Team Two Two, man. He's been there. He's done it. And we like, would live in a world where Artem Lobov beat a world champion boxer. Uh, I know that yeah. sounds stupid when you say it like yeah. that. But come on, boys. <laughs> <laughs> right. But but when you look at it though, it's like this. Even though this is boxing, this is not a typical boxing oh, match. Uh, another thing as well, I noticed from the last fight. You know, I noticed it really really badly as well. Because of the size of the ring, because of like this sounds fucking gross, but because of how slippy they get from the blood, because they like they, like when Jason and Artem fought, I climbed in through the ropes and my entire suit yeah. was covered in red. Oh. Like there's blood everywhere. Because of that, they actually slip on the cat. They fall a lot over, like because they're right. so high energy, they sort of fly past each other and almost fall over. So it's really like. It's meant it's to be so gross when you think about it. like yeah I was going into the strike but I slipped on all the blood. But on it, the it, canvas. It, it's it's boxing in the sense they're standing up, but it is actually I I really believe if you go back it's it's almost like its own sport. It's not MMA That's striking. That, yeah. It's not boxing striking. It is bare knuckle boxing I striking. Agree. It's very it's it's yeah still things and, and and like you were saying Kenny like when you watch boxers box the most the thing I notice most is like wow these motherfuckers can move yep. they, oh, their yeah. feet right. are incredible they move laterally way better than MMA guys do the range is different because of the kicks obviously but I, I don't think that transfers over as well as to bare knuckle I think bare knuckle is just like like a fucking blender it you is. sort of see what comes out you it's know? brutal are you, you you're gonna be there for it oh definitely yeah oh yeah <laughs> Oh yeah, madness. Who else is on the card? Is this the one? What? Chris Lieber Chris versus Brennan Ward. Yeah. Oh, he's fighting early. This is against Brennan Ward. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So that should be good. I mean, Chris Lieber's like it's 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 so funny. I think Brennan said, "Oh, you know, I really think I'm going to do Reggie well, Barnett, well, Johnny Bedford." Chris Lieber was like, "Oh yeah, I was kind of like you know born for this." So. And actually, I think Artem had a great line as well, where he's like, "I was made for this. Paulie was not." I just I don't know. It's tough, man. I don't it's, think it's, I'm leaning towards Artem. I can't believe I'm saying this. Be, I don't know if I'm just but totally I, I, crazy. I, I will, I will Choo-choo, say, motherfucker. Hop will, on the train. I, I will say this. Jesus, I drank more beer than I thought. I will <laughs> no, say these, this. These ones are, oh, uh, okay. I will say this about Artem. I think for a long time, Artem's been linked to Connor and sort of considered this like a bit of a punchline almost. Right. I think that fight with Jason Knight tr- changed a lot of opinions on him because say what even Paulie had to be like, look, a fucking the guy's got heart, you know. Right. Yeah. You can't eat. And that was one thing I thought as well. I was like, is Paulie just setting this? Because Paulie gave him the compliment, and it's like for a moment when he cut the fucking 
fedora wearing bullshit he fucking sounded like a normal person who was analyzing the fight and he seemed a bit smart and i was like i'd like to talk to that paulie yeah. to talk to him about the differences in mma striking i'd like to talk to that guy but you can't talk to that guy because he's fucking he just idiot. goes into stick mode yeah. really do yeah, fucking eat pizza from new york crossing <laughs> 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 a brooklyn bridge into a Bronx and queens but um yeah so uh, listen, I, I'll, I'll yeah, be tuning in nice. the UFC that night, but I think I'll I'll have a second screen on okay. that one, man. I, yeah. I gotta I think I gotta watch it. All right, listen, not a lot of MMA this weekend, but uh, there is some MMA, and I'm gonna recommend everybody watch it. Uh, Saturday night, UFC Fight Pass, CFFC 75 Granger versus Azevedo. That will be me making my debut for uh, CFFC. Myself, CM Punk, and Jessica Penne will be on the call, so I'm looking That's forward to That's really actually. what I'm looking forward to. I'm fu- I'm more the, the CM Punk than anything. The, the, I'm not going to lie. The, you're looking forward <laughs> to CM Punk? He's good. He does a good job. Listen, I, I will say this. So I've, I've obviously started doing my research and getting notes together and everything like that. I leave tomorrow morning uh, for the weigh-ins. Uh, as, as always, we're sitting down on Thursday afternoon, and uh, so I leave Friday morning. Uh, the inaugural strawweight title is on the line. Miranda Granger, listen, Miranda Granger uh, – is the real deal. Uh, it's an inaugural strawweight fight there. She's facing Eloisa Azevedo, who's a tough Brazilian. But Miranda Granger, I think, is, is, is going to be in the UFC sooner rather than later. So if you want to see some future UFC uh, potential, 5-0 and as a professional so far with five finishes. Uh, I believe all five in the first round. 10-0 and as an amateur as well. Uh, so 15-0 and total. And, and I, I think she's – I really honestly – and watching some of her tape and then also just talking to her, uh, I, I think she's incredible. There's also uh, – I think it's going to be a fun fight. It's the, the whole fight card, there's one lightweight fight, mm-hmm. and everything else is uh, featherweight or below. So, you know – Speedy. You, you get, yeah, you get high-octane fights. So, uh, so, anyway, I think it's going to be good. But, anyway, listen, uh, I did get a chance to speak to Miranda Granger, and I figured, you know what, since I'm on the call, let's, let's uh, let uh, introduce her to the world a little bit, introduce her to the Roadshow Faithful. So, here's what uh, Miranda Granger had to say. Listen to her talk because I think you might end up – being as sold on this girl uh, as I am. Hi, John. This is Miranda Granger. Hey, Miranda. How you doing? Good. How are you? I'm doing good. I appreciate you calling. This still work out as a good time for you? Yeah, it's a great time. Fantastic. Well, let's get into it then. I mean, 5-0 uh, and o to start your career, five finishes as well. I mean, uh, pretty impressive stuff. Give me, give me your feeling of, uh, I guess, how proud you are or how happy you are of what you've accomplished uh, already in your career. Yeah, I'm, I'm really happy with where I'm at in my career. Um, you know, I... I give all the credit to my coach, Charles Pearson, and my team, Charlie's Combat Club. Um, I definitely would not be where I'm at without, you know, the people that I train with and, um, you know, the coaching that I've received. And I've been with Charlie since I was four years old. So just having that bond with your coach, I mean, I have my full trust in him. And um, I'm proud of myself, but I'm also not done yet. So. Yeah, no question about it. Charlie's Combat Club, not not the most well-known fight team in the nation right now, right? Tell us about that, Jim. How'd you, how'd you hook up with them and, and give us an idea of what that place is like? They might not be well-known now, but I, I guarantee you in a couple years here, they're going to they're gonna definitely be known. Um, we have some really good fighters out of that gym. But uh, I got with Charlie's Combat Club, well, I started, like I said, with Charlie when I was about four years old. Um, at that time, it was called Pearson's Black Belt Academy, and it was a more of a Taekwondo gym. So I did Taekwondo with Charlie, and then I actually got my Black Belt in Taekwondo when I was about 12. Huh. Um, went on to play, you know, middle school, high school, college sports. After that, started getting, you know, out of shape because I went through college <laughs> and uh, just wanted to get back into shape. So um, that's, you know, I went when I went back to what was now Charlie's Combat Club. And uh, I started doing kickboxing classes just to stay in shape. And then I was like, oh, I'm actually pretty good at this. <laughs> so um, took my first fight about a year later. And uh, I went 
10 and 0 as an amateur and now 5 and 0 as a pro. So I guess it's working out for me. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. That's phenomenal. I mean, you know, I guess growing up, you know, training taekwondo your whole life, I mean, did you ever consider the possibility of professional fighting at all in your life? Yeah, so, you know, I was uh I don't I was probably like 10 or 12 when my dad took me to my first like real fight that I that girls were fighting. Um it was at actually one of Charlie's you know, gym shows that he put on, or not gym shows, but shows that he put on, Right. Um, just an amateur event. And I saw girls kickboxing, and I remember just thinking, like, oh, I could do that. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> At 10 years, I was, I was a pretty competitive, spunky little kid. So um, I just remember that feeling, and, you know, I always thought that my life might move in that direction. I didn't know how much it would take off, but it's funny, like, if you go back to any of my, like, even elementary school projects, like what do you want to be when you grow up? Every single one says professional athlete, you know, it has like a list of 10 things that just said professional athlete. Right. So, um, I mean, it's what I've always wanted to be. Uh, I, I just, I don't, I didn't know that it was going to be with fighting. I just, um, had that, you know, goal of getting myself to that like top caliber level since I was a little kid. No question. You know, I guess if somebody just knew about your, your training background, they'd probably, uh, assume that you got a, a bunch of, you know, knockout finishes, but it's, it's, it's submissions. You've got a ton of those as well. So, I mean, yeah. where did your grappling game develop? Where, I mean, are you, are you a ranked belt? How did that come about? I mean, cause it seems like, you know, you're getting things done with your grappling as well. My grappling game started at a very young age when I used to just wrestle with my dad. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, my dad literally like every morning, every weekend we'd start the day, we'd like start wrestling, but it was, uh, I just remember stuff like that. But, um, yeah, I mean, I'm not, I don't do, uh, like gi, so I'm not like a rank, uh, ranked belt. I'm not like a, don't do gi jujitsu or anything, but I do practice a lot of groundwork and, um, you know, study a lot of things, but, uh, you know, I just, I kind of just, when I'm in the cage, just rely on my training and rely on you know just muscle memory I, I feel like I almost like black out when I get in there <laughs> and uh my body just you know my mind like takes over and my body just does what it, it tells it to do so um, I'm just always looking to finish and I'm always looking to, to cause the most pain possible so <laughs> I look for those moments and when I when I see them I try to capitalize on them I like that maybe it's sad too. I was gonna ask me 15 and 0 as you said when you add in the amateurs I mean no secret to you I'm sure a lot of people have their eye on you and believe that you know you have what it takes to compete at the next level but what, what do you think is the key to your success so far I mean to, to, no matter who you're fighting to, to get that many wins in a row it's, it's impressive so I mean is it is it that mindset is it something technique wise is it something within you I mean if you had to point to something as, as the big key to your success what, what, what do you think it would be uh, I think I've fought I think I've fought girls who are tougher than me. I think I've fought girls who are technically better than me, but I don't think I have fought anyone with as much heart as me. Mm. And um I think my determination and just will and want to win uh takes over and I think that is stronger than, you know, most most girls out there and I think there's a few girls in, you know, that top level that I've I've seen that in, but I I just think that that is lacking a lot. Um not just in female MMA, just in, in MMA in general, just, I feel like people are going out there and they're fighting and they're doing what they need to do. But, um, for me, it's not just, it's not just fighting. Like I am so competitive and I just want to win. And, um, a lot of my fights have been finished in the first round. And like I said, I just, I look for that finish and I smell, once I smell blood, I, I feel like it's over. I can just feel them break a little bit. And once I, once I see that, then 
I know I've already won. Well, your track record shows it. Let's talk about this opportunity. I mean, headlining uh, CSS E75. I mean, the, 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 the inaugural belt is on the line. It's a main event. I mean, it's on Fight Pass. It feels like yep. a big moment. I mean, is, does this feel like a big moment for you? Yeah, every, you know, every fight is a big moment. This obviously is uh, the biggest so far. So um, it will be my second professional belt that I'm fighting for. Um, but obviously there's a lot more on the line with this one. And um, the girl, the opponent that I'm facing is, she's really tough. So uh, I'm, I'm excited. I'm not like nervous or fearful. I just, I feel like uh, I need to get, as weird as it sounds, like I'm addicted to fighting. So it's like, I need to get in there and just get that hit of fighting again. <laughs> and uh, I'm just excited. I'm re- I'm really, really excited. And um, the pressure I like, I like pressure. So the more pressure that I feel like the better that I do. I dig it. I, uh, you mentioned your opponent there, Eloisa. I, I'll be honest. I haven't seen much of her. I mean, do you, do you know much about her? Were you able to find much tape? Do you, did you scout her? Do you worry about that? What, what, what can you tell us about her? Yeah. I mean, I've seen a couple things. Um, like you said, there's not, there's really not much out there on her. Um, from what I've seen, she's super aggressive. So, uh, but you know, I'm, I'm ready for that. And, I've been saying for, I don't know, <laughs> four years that I, I want to fight. Like I want someone that's going to bring the fight to me. And I, I think that she's the opponent that's going to do it. And, um, I'm, I just, I really want to show more of myself and more of my skills. And, um, you know, the, the only way to do that is to fight someone at the same caliber or better caliber than what you are. So uh, I, I think that she could be that opponent for me. I know that, uh, you know, there's no guarantees, but I, I mean, do you feel like an impressive victory gets here, a, a UFC call? I mean, 6-0, and oh, especially in the women's divisions. I mean, there's, there's, there's women in the UFC right now that don't even have six fights, right? So, I mean, do you feel yeah. like, uh, <laughs> I mean, do you feel like a, a, a win here and, and, a, and a call to the UFC is a possibility? I definitely feel like it's a possibility. Um, I'm, but like I said, I, I, I'm taking one fight at a time and if it, if it doesn't happen, I'm not going to be disappointed in myself if if it never happens I'm not going to be disappointed in myself I'm I'm living out my dream and what I love to do every single day so um obviously that's where I would I would love to be there I mean that's that's the top place you know so um I think it's a possibility but uh you know right now my sights are just set on on this fight yeah, very cool. Well, I think for a lot of people, it'll probably be their their first chance to see you. So, I mean, if if somebody hasn't seen you fight, give us an idea. I mean, what can they what can they expect from a Miranda Granger fight? Uh, they can just expect expect uh, some exciting, hopefully quick work in the cage. And uh, I, I mean, I don't know. I'm a, like I said, I'm a finisher, so I, I expect a finisher. <laughs> All right, so that was Miranda Granger. I just listen, man. Something about the way she talks, the the, the confidence, you know, not cockiness, just the self belief. And, and I'm telling you, the highlight reel is there. Uh, I'm anxious to call this uh, this main event at CFFC. So that will be on Fight Pass on Saturday night. Uh, Check it out. Me and CM Punk and uh, Jessica Penny. I'm actually really, really looking forward to it. Uh, listen, another event on Fight Pass that uh, is happening next week is uh, WXC 78 Warrior Wednesday 3. You say, well, why are you telling me about this car, John? Are you calling that one too? Well, no, I'm not. It's up in uh, Michigan. I should be, though. Everybody should employ me to just go <laughs> call fights, man. Uh, but listen, uh, 
the, the, there's an interesting situation. Justin James was in the main event. Justin is actually fights out of Extreme Couture, and he actually teaches my son's uh, wrestling classes over there at Extreme Couture. So I've come to know the guy uh, really well. He was crowned uh, the WXC lightweight champion in his last fight. And then the very next week, Austin Tweedy, who was on the Contender Series, uh, he won a fight, and they gave him a lightweight belt, which was bizarre. So now you have two lightweight champions, but uh, – Justin kind of gets into that. Anyway, it was supposed to be a unification fight. Instead, uh, Justin's going to be fighting James Warfield, who's uh, been around for a minute, has like 36 professional fights. But anyway, uh, I, I, this will be before we get together again next Thursday. So even though it's next Wednesday, this is, again, WXC is starting to host once-a-month fights on Wednesday nights. So you've got live content on Fight Pass. But I uh, wanted to give my man Justin James a little opportunity. He's 14-4 uh, in his career, 9-1 in his last 10, fights out of Extreme Couture. You know he's he's hoping for uh for for a shot at the big time man and uh, and this will be a moment for him to potentially get some more eyeballs as he's as he's fighting on USC Fight Pass so here is Justin James. All right man, well, let's get into it. I mean, uh, you're fighting at WXC next week. I gotta ask, uh, are, are you the champion in this division or not, man? I I, I watch I, I saw you get a belt and then I'm I'm watching them a few weeks later. They're wrapping a belt around Austin Tweedy's waist. Give us give us the scoop. Are you are you a champ or not? I tell you this, man. Austin Tweedy, this is like a, this has been like a circus these last couple months. You know, me and Brandon Noble fought for the, the WXC title, you know, in uh, February, and then yeah, like you're saying, a month later they're crowning a new guy. Now, uh, the way they're trying to play it out is since they're doing this Warrior Wednesday um, deal with uh, the UFC Fight Pass, that uh, Tweedy was going to be the Warrior Wednesday champion uh, for the WXC, and then. Uh, you know, Mir Noble were going to be the regular champion, and then we're going to unify them. I think it was just kind of like a gimmick, yeah. um, just for for uh, for uh, views. Um, but you know, uh, you know, who's Austin Tweedy, man? He, he isn't anybody anymore. I'm hoping that WXC just strips some of this shit. I've already put in two fight camps to fight that cat, and uh, I, I'm not I'm not signing another contract with his name on it. It's, it's a waste of time. Um, you know, it's like I said, that's shit. Two full fight camps, and he backs out. Three weeks the first time, and then two weeks the second time. Um, I just don't have time for that shit. So, yeah. Did they? I mean, what happened this time? Did Did they give you any news, or does or did they basically call you and say, "Sorry, it's not happening"? Do they Do they tell you what happened? Uh, yeah, they uh, both both times. He says uh, he pulled his abdominal his abdominal muscle. Um, nothing more specific than that. And you know, it's, it's, it's been, I've been around the been around the sport as you have for a long time. You know, you get injured in fight camp. That's just the way it is. I mean, you can never go into a fight 100%. Last year when I went to India, I broke my foot in December and I ended up fighting in February in India. It's just, you know, fight camps don't always go perfect. I understand he wants to be 110%, but it's just, you know, my, my fight camp isn't perfect. You know, I, I've had days where, you know, I, I hurt or pull muscle. It's just something you got to get through. You, you just can't. You can't. Oh, I pulled my abdomen muscle because, you know, I know he has a regular job and shit, but. You know, these are paydays for me that I'm missing out on because, you know, he, he pulled his abdominal muscle twice, two two fight camps in a row. And what are you doing to pull your abdominal muscle twice, you know, twice like this in a row? I just don't have time for Austin Tweedy anymore. Yeah, it's not an injury you hear very often either. All right, well, you got James Warfield. They found you another uh, opponent, so that's good. You get to stay on the card. Uh, give me an idea. I mean, what do you know about him? Did, did, you, did you research before you said yes? I mean, was there any hesitation? Talk about the, the replacement stepping in. Uh, there wasn't really much hesitation. You know, I, I'm in shape. I'm in the best shape I've been in. Um, you know, James Warfield is a tough guy. He's been around forever, um, from my understanding. He has almost 40 pro fights. Uh, he's 23 or 24 and 13. Um, he's, he's a bigger, a very experienced opponent, you know. So, 
Um, I actually talked to James uh, right after the booking, and he told me that, you know, he trains all year round. He's in shape, and uh, he's, he's going to be bringing it here uh, next Wednesday. So, uh, like I said, I'm the best I've felt uh, weight-wise, uh, cardio-wise, technique-wise. You know, like I said, I've been putting in, you know, this is back-to-back-to-back fight camps. So, um, I'll be ready to go no matter who they put in front of me. So, yeah, me and James Orfield are doing catch weight at 165. Um you know, for the WXC next week. So we, we got dropped down to Comaine, which is fine. I don't, I don't really care about that stuff. But, uh, yeah, James is tough. I know he's going to come swinging him, and you know, hopefully I just have I keep my chin down and let's get through another guy. Yeah, no doubt. How'd you guys end up talking? Did you just reach out to him when he stepped in or something? Uh, yeah, basically over social media, you know, uh, I got the announcement that uh, he was going to step in on the two-week notice uh, fight, and I just, you know, uh, tagged him on, on a post on uh, Facebook just want to say that I thank him for stepping in, you know, because like I said, two, two fights in a row for Tweedy to back out on. I mean, you know, that's, that's, again, that's two paydays in a row, you know, that, you know, I need to get paid. So, um, it's, it's, it's nice that James, I appreciate him stepping in, you know, so him and I can both go in there for our show and both get paid. So, um, that's that. Yeah. Talk about it. You know, you said this is the kind of the new deal on, on fight pass. I mean, does that, I mean, is this adding to it for you a little bit? I mean, does it feel like a, a bigger fight? I mean, I feel like when fights are, I mean, at least they're live, people can see them live, and I got to think, you know, UFC pays attention to the to the promotions that are on Fight Pass. I mean, does it does it feel like a big moment? Uh, you know, it's I've been you know I've been doing this for twelve years. This is going to be almost my seventieth fight. You know, it's just another day in the office for me, man. It's, you can I fought for Bellator, you know, when I was on MTV or no, I was on Spike TV a couple years ago. It's, it's just another day in the office. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just going to show up, no added pressure. Um, like I said, it's just, just like any other job, I'd show up, I'd do what I'm supposed to do and get the hell out of there and, uh, you know, just handle business. That's it. 70th fight, man. I didn't know you had that many. Where, where, where were these all? That was the amateur. Are you talking boxing? I mean, uh, how do you get to 70? Yeah. For, for MMA, you know, when I wrestled at Olivet College over in Michigan, you know, uh, when I was me and Darren Crookshank were roommates and, and Michigan, before it was regulated, like you could fight every week. So <laughs> we fought pretty often. And as an amateur, you know, I had 47 amateur fights. And Good Lord. Be my eight, yeah, it's going to be my 18th pro fight here. So, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's, like I said, it's just another day in the office for me. Um, there's, there's no added pressure. It's, uh, I'm going to show up, do what I do best. And, uh, that's it. Give me an idea what you feel like. I mean, I, I know that everybody's trying to get into the UFC, right? Everybody wants that big-time opportunity. And you're, you're in pro practice every day, I mean, with a huge team at Extreme Couture. I mean, you're, 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 you're right alongside these guys that are in the UFC. I mean, what's, what's that like for you? Is it, is it, I mean, I, I got to think in some ways it's positive because you know you're going with them, but I got to think it's a little, a little frustrating maybe too because you're thinking, you know, why are they in a spot that I want? What's, what's that like for you? Uh, you know, it's, it, I've been training Extreme Couture since like 2009. You know, so, you know, when I, when I first got there, it was, you know, Tyson Griffin, Martin Campman, Evan Dunham, you know, Jay Haran, uh, Mike Pyle. So I've been around these guys for, for a long time. Most of them have me at some point a part of their camp. Um, there's a reason they're having me a part of their camp. So, you know, it is, it is, uh, you know, I'm happy for my friends, like say Boston Selman, when he gets his call to the UFC, you know, earlier last year, mm-hmm. um, you know, yeah, sometimes it's frustrating. It's not that I'm jealous or anything. It's just like, man, what am I doing wrong? Um, you know, but then again, I look at the weight class that I'm fighting at lightweight. It's, it's the most stacked weight class. I believe there is, or at least numbers wise. Um, 
you know, it's the average weight of somebody. And it's, I think it's the toughest weight class. And, uh, I, I do understand that. And that's, you know, kind of off my resume, be jumping around in weight classes just to kind of show that, Hey, look, I'm here to fight at 145, 155, 170. Um, you know, wherever you guys have a fall out or a drop out, you know, I'll, I'll jump in on short notice and, you know, I'll try to bring a fight, but yeah, it, it, it can be demoralizing sometimes, you know, and, you know, you got the gym with all these guys and, you know, especially if you're putting it on, on some of them, uh, and you know, they're, they're getting fights at the big show and you're not, but you know, you just gotta stay positive and, you know, keep it the grind. This is going to, uh, you know, June, uh, June of 2019, my 12th year competing. Um, and you know, it's when I know how to do best and, you know, I'm just going to keep my head on the grindstone and come up, uh, put it on James Warfield and, you know, hopefully, hopefully get an opportunity after this or maybe one or two more and, you know, see, see what happens. That's all you can do, man. It's just, uh, you know, keep doing what you're doing. And, you know, I talked to Sean Shelby a couple of times and verbatim what he's, he's told me every single time is just keep doing what you're doing. So I'll just do that. Yeah, makes sense, man. What's I gotta ask you? What's what's preparation like? I mean, this close to fight? Cause I mean, you basically go straight from pro practice into teaching a bunch of kids how to how to grapple. You know what I mean? Is that is that yeah. is that tough for you? Because I mean, it's it's literally like a, a, an almost instant transition out from you, you know, putting your body through a hellacious practice to then, you know, then you gotta lead these these young men and women and try to teach them something. And I imagine they test your patience, and you're probably physically exhausted. What's I mean, what's that like for you? Yeah, uh, uh, you know, the fight, fight camps are tough, especially, yeah, and, uh, yeah, jumping right out of uh, a training, you know, especially like a Tuesday, Thursday practice, right, I jump right in and start, you know, coaching kids that it, it, it's it's very tough. It's, uh, I mean, every day, I mean, I, I love my job, don't get me wrong, I love teaching the kids, um, even on the bad days, but yeah, there, 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 there are days where it's like, man, just, uh, man, I, I even tell them during class sometimes, you know, it's like, hey, look, kids, I don't have any patience today. Let's just get through our stuff. Let's get through our drill. You know, keep me happy. I'll keep you happy kind of deal. Um, but, yeah, I, I love coaching the kids. But, yes, it definitely, especially at this point in fight camp where, you know, I'm, I'm focused on my weight loss and my diet. And, uh, you know, I just got to survive this next week and, uh, you know, get through. Uh, but, yeah, dude, it's uh, – <laughs> Trying to say the least. <laughs> I bet, man. Well, I, I listen. I know, like you said, you know, Sean Shelby's told you to just keep doing what you're doing. But, but what do you think? I mean, listen, a win here. I mean, you're talking about nine and one in the last ten. That's that's solid. I mean, your last three were all first round stoppages. I mean, I know that that's what people like to see. So, I mean, in the back of your head, are you, are, are you hoping this is the one, or do you do you let yourself I, think that way? I mean, I, I'm always hoping it's the one. You know, it's and yeah, it's, it just comes to the to the stoppages, man. It's like out of my 14 wins. You know, I have 12 stoppages, um, you know, 10 are in the first round. I mean, uh, six knockouts, six submissions. It's like it's not, I'm not a one-trick pony, you know. It's like I just keep finding places to win. You know, the, the losses that I have, you know, unfortunately, you know, it's always been some bad decisions. Like taking a fight on short notice, like when I fought Tommy Aaron a couple of years ago, you know, and I remember when the promoter called me, like, hey, we got to fight for you. And, and uh, it's like two weeks or three weeks, uh, will you fight Tommy Aaron? And I was up in, I was up, uh, in northern Nevada hunt mule deer drinking beer and you know i hadn't fought in a couple months and i was like oh sure i'll, sure, I'll jump in and you know time time is he put in a full fight camp you know that the reason they called me later find out is you know his, his opponent got injured and uh they're looking for a replacement and uh you know i show up and i lose a decision to his hometown guy and it was a good fight um i'm not saying that i thought i won um but it was a lot i mean i i didn't think i lost if that makes any sense like it, it yeah. wasn't uh um, it, it, it was weird, and there, there's no chance I lose that fight putting in a full fight camp. So that's one thing that you know I've decided to do after that was you know 
Uh, I'm not taking any more short notice fights unless it's for the UFC or you know Bellator or something like that. Uh, but you know, I, I hope this is the one, man. Like I said, I'm going to go in there, do what I do best. I'll find a way to finish James Warfield. And then, you know, it'll put me at 15, uh, you know, 15 and four with 13 finishes. I mean, I don't know what else much to do besides, uh, just keep doing that, man. Find the submissions, find the punch or find the strikes and, you know, finish these fights. That was Justin James fighting next Wednesday. Uh, you can catch that on UFC Fight Pass as well. WXC 78, Warrior Wednesday 3. Man, dude, I we have been home for so long. The, the MMA Roadshow has been emanating from the Costco coffee. Home, MMA Home forever. Show. <laughs> I was going to say, we got one more week at home. Uh, and then you and I will actually be heading out to USC 238 Cold Coffee. We'll be out there like for, to cover Chicago. <laughs> kind of <laughs> getting used to staying at home like a little it. bit. I know you're going you're gonna to do Chicago, Chicago yeah. as well. Uh, so I'm definitely looking forward to that. I will say next week, if anybody's in Vegas, uh, FFC 37, Final Fight Championship 37, will be at the Rio on uh, on Thursday night. So I'll be calling those fights, myself and Frank Muir. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm at – you commentating might get, is getting going might, again, yeah. man. You might get a word in on that one. <laughs> uh, we, had a good, we really enjoyed the first show I did with Frank Mir. So the deal with FFC is right now everything is tape delayed to CBS Sports, um, and, and unfortunately they don't have like a like a, an exact broadcast time. Like I guess CBS just kind of slots them around like where they have availabilities. Um, so if if you're looking for for MMA on CBS Sports, they have some, um, but I think they're working on trying to get more of a of a live component somehow. So they're they're working on this. It's a new promotion. I mean, this is FFC 37, but it kind of got reinvented. They had like 30 shows in Europe, and then they came to Vegas. Now they're at this cool facility. It's called the Fight Dome over at Rio. It's like a really small like television studio, but it, it but it looks awesome. But it's cool because it's fixed cost. You know, everything's like there and mounted and it doesn't have to be moved around. So that's cool. They're doing big things. And, and uh, I, ha- I had a good time with, with Frank Mir. Uh, they do like boxing and kickboxing and MMA all on the same card. So you get a little get a little change up, you know, it keeps it kind of interesting. So uh, that'll be going on Thursday night. Uh, last thing I want to say, and, and it I, I guess is give a shout out to uh, to our our good buddy Shamakar Sandu. Mm-hmm. Uh, he announced that he's going to work for PFL. We don't we don't talk about PFL a lot on this show just because we've always taped on Thursdays and their events. A lot of them are on Thursdays, and so it's like, well, we can't really preview the card because by the time most people listen, it's already happened, and obviously we don't know the results. So uh, we don't talk about PFL a lot, but but I I I like their product, man. I really do. I have more fun. Um, with the standings and stuff, I've said before than I thought I would. Like, I think it's cool that you just you literally you fight, you get points. There's yeah. no like, ah, what, what do we do? It's cool. Um, so I know Sandu has wanted to work full time in the MMA space for a long time, and, and he finally got that. So I wanted to give him a shout out. And I guess I'll just throw it out there. I mean, it's it's an interesting time for MMA media, right? Dude. I mean, there's a lot of movement going on. Um, I don't even know really how much I can say about our own team. <laughs> I was, but but I will say there are there are some changes coming to MMA Junkie, and I imagine they'll be announced very very soon. So I mean there are some changes. Uh, I'm sure everybody you know uh, listening has probably seen uh, the announcements. Uh, what Sean Alshadi announced it uh, yep. that he's left MMA fighting. Um, obviously, Sandu announced that he was leaving MMA media as a whole, but then the next day announced because yeah. he was going. It's funny as well. I, want, I wanted to tweet and be like, "You can't have two days worth of congratulations. You only get one at a time." <laughs> well played. You can see he knows his social yeah, media. Yeah, he, he got he two knows, days he, worth he out knows of how it. To do it. I was like, "You motherfucking cheeky." <laughs> uh, yeah, but I mean, uh, listen, uh, announcements forthcoming. It's a, it's a wild time. I mean, between the number of people that 
that uh, that left to go over to ESPN. You know, obviously Mark Ramondi went over there to, to join uh, Brett and Ariel. And Let's just cut the tension. That. We should probably tell them that we're not going anywhere. We're not going anywhere. We're not going, we're going anywhere. Going. We bleed junky blue, dog. <laughs> Come on, man. We ain't going so nowhere. Settle down, everyone. Everyone was getting because, all worried. It's because you can't drink on the job beer. anywhere else. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, this is the only place that understands what the I'm doing. The only place that enables us. I will say, I will say you know, I need, to, I need to share it out, but um, I was talking the other day about PFL uh, to Greg Savage, who works for PFL now. And he sent me a funny picture. I need to put it out on my social media, but I'll show you guys now. But this is my Sherdog business card that I never got because uh, wow. years and years ago, yeah, I was going awesome. to go to Sherdog. And we were kind of talking about the changing landscape. Savage was like, you know I still have your business cards, right? He's like, I, he's like, I had a whole box. He's like, I threw them away. He's like, but I saved a couple. I was like, no, you didn't. I was like, he's like well, yeah. So, so he sent me a picture. So it's it's my Sherdog business card. You know what's the worst thing in the world is I actually had business cards made for me at the Mac Life, and then I realized no one fucking uses business cards anymore. <laughs> sure, they, no, they fucking don't. I, like, I Everyone's do, just like, like, what's your Instagram, bro? Like, that's the difference. That oh, is no, true. See, I get asked everyone. Do you really? Yeah. And especially to go to is other countries. Those, is that as those special parties where you put them all in the bowl? At the <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're like, who am I going to end up with tonight? Or, or like, if you go to some place, you go to, uh, say, Japan. Like, it's very cultural. Oh, yeah. I'm regularly like, making trips them. to Tokyo. Oh, well, 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 I mean, a Mac there. Life, you're sending you all over the place. They, like, present you with your other uh, business card with, like, both it's, hands. It's like, like, a, it's like a very formal very sort of formal thing. It's very respectful. And you're looked at a certain way if you don't have a business card. We're waiting until they see the producer chewed up piece of shit I've got in my bag from three yeah. months ago like, here you go, but, say, but say you want to do an interview with somebody like I found where say if I meet somebody uh, a fan or somebody that's there and I'm like they have an interesting story I'll give them a business card and you know and I give them one of my USA Today cards and they're meeting, like well shit okay you know, they'll remember that. So if you have a business card, it is a nice way where you don't force somebody to pull out your phone okay. and have to put your digits in. I'll start carrying in. them with me instead of just leaving them in yeah. the Yeah, I mean, if you, especially if you already have them made, you yeah. know. I, know, I have some. Well. I'm bad about carrying them. I do get it was like an adult thing. That like, was one thing for yeah. and I felt like like once you reached the threat, I was like, wow, I'm an adult now. I have business cards. I made it, you know. <laughs> I. <laughs> wow. yeah, I've got business. I may be fading in every like, other aspect of my yeah, life, but, but I, got I have business, business cards. cards. <laughs> <laughs> I'm barely making minimum wage, but I, <laughs> but I have business, business cards. cards. I'm drinking myself to sleep every night, <laughs> but I got business. I cards. got business cards. <laughs> I used oh, them as beer mats. <laughs> Phenomenal, phenomenal. <laughs> Somehow this responsible episode is getting less responsible as we Sponsored go on. Sponsored by Vistaprints. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. All right, well, listen, uh, yeah, like I said, tune in to uh, CFFC on, on Saturday night. If you got nothing going on, uh, chime in. Let me know how me and CM Punk and Jessica Payne do. I'm actually looking forward to that. And uh, thanks to you guys for, for hanging out on another afternoon. Yes, Casa de Cold you. Coffee. You guys are you're more than welcome to always be here at the Casa de Coffee, whether it be <laughs> cold or hot outside. One more week of us being at the Costa Rico Coffee, and then you can we'll finally get this damn road show back out on the road. Yeah. yeah. Looking forward to that. All right, everybody else, thanks for listening.